This is Alex. And this is James. And you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to the American Toffee Podcast. We are here very jubilantly on what is a lovely Sunday morning for me, um, joined as always by Alex. What's up? Terrible Sunday morning for me. Oh, relaxed. An Everton win, so we have a lot to be very excited about. Um, I, kind of unexpected, but much needed for Marco Silva and the boys. I think this was, I think, it provides us with a springboard with which to build on. And he, Marco Silva, to his credit, delivered what we had been all calling for for some time, which was drastic changes to the lineup, and it yielded results. Yeah, so he made five changes to the lineup, and I was talking in the Discord with with some of our friends prior to the match and, you know, saying there's no way that he's not going to start or that he is going to start Tom Davies, you know, over this option, that option, blah, blah, blah. Lucky enough, Tom Davies is one of the ones that um, ended up starting. Now, interestingly enough, Morgan Schneiderlin did not make the bench. So my thought process is he most likely was injured or sick. But I would like to point out again that when we played Man City a couple weeks ago, uh, Marco Silva was going to change the lineup quite drastically then too. However, I believe we had a sickness or something. And so therefore, um, Walcott ended up not playing striker. He played on the right, but then he came off after literally one minute. And then Richarlison got pushed back over to the right. And so I think that he is flexible. Um, I just don't know that he has a whole lot of, let's say, confidence in particularly the center of the pitch when it comes to certain players. Yeah. And obviously West Ham... um I believe that on expected goals against, they were basically leading the table. So their defense has been pretty bad. At home, you would hope that Marco Silva would have seen this as an opportunity to put some firepower in midfield and see what we can create going forward. And that he did. So he, of course, forced by Seamus Coleman's suspension to start Sidibe at right back. And the rest of the back line remained the same. But the midfield got a drastic shakeup. We saw Andre Gomez return after being out for several weeks with injury, we saw Tom Davies get his first start of the season. And then Alex Awobi, the big change, dropping Gilfie Sigurdsson, who, of course, has been relatively poor for us and also kind of was booed off the pitch, actually, for Iceland during the international break. And so a player who may have thought was low on confidence, but based on his strike late in the match, uh, clearly put those those doubts to rest. But we'll get on, get to that in a little bit. Alex Awobi at the 10, which again, we've all been calling for, which then allows Bernard to return to the left-hand side. Richarlison at striker, which I think was the biggest shock for everyone. No one really saw that coming based on the competition between Moise Keane and Calvert-Lewin all season. Sort of thought that those were the two that were sort of locks for that position either way. And then of course we get on the right-hand side, Theo Walcott, who has taken a lot of abuse from fans. And I think he, above anyone else, deserves probably the most credit for his performance today because he was absolutely outstanding. Yes, I have to agree with you on all fronts. It was nice to see Wobie at the 10. Walcott, he's the only natural right winger, right midfielder that we have in the squad currently. And so when Marco Silva feels that he's not ready to play, as has been the case most of the season, barring again the City game, then that's going to mean that Richarlison is shoehorned on the right-hand side, most likely. Um, luckily enough, Walcott had a fantastic match. Some could argue he was man of the match, although that's pretty contentious at this point because we could have had seven of them. Um, it, it's very exciting because 
this is this match is a perfect example of what we need. We need squad depth and we need competition within the squad. If you can make five changes and win emphatically like that with such a different setup, then that means that we are getting closer and closer to, you know, being like a lot of the other quote unquote big clubs in which, you know, we have we have a very good squad, a very good starting eleven. We can make very you know, we can make numerous changes and still look very dangerous, very solid. And so overall it was a really, really good match. It was fun to watch. I mean, it kind of encapsulates what's so crazy about fo- football, soccer, because we were so dominant and created so many great chances. However, the margin by which we won was extremely small. Like there was that late corner kick for West Ham in like the 80th or so minute that we nearly conceded on. Thankfully, Jordan Pickford was able to make a miraculous save and prevent those. Because if that goal goes in, right, the narrative for this podcast and for the post-game discussion is completely different. We're talking about the set piece thing again. It rears its ugly head and we're forced to kind of say, you know, oh, we're creating all these great chances. We're not finishing them. And then we're conceding on set pieces and it's costing us points. Luckily, you know, a really strong collective team performance above anything else, right? Like you said, Alex, we could have had multiple man of the matches. We could have had five or six, if not more goals. But the finishing concerns remain there just based on the fact that, you know, Walcott unlucky to hit the post, Richarlison unlucky to hit the post. Awobi had a chance right in front of goal that was pretty much a sitter that really he should be finishing. And if it weren't for Gilfie Sigurdsson's thunder strike towards the end of the match to put it to rest, I just think the narrative for this can be completely different. And that's not to say that it wasn't a really good performance all, all around, but my point is that just individual moments can change how we view and talk about the match in many different ways. And I think that's been the case kind of the source of a lot of the negativity surrounding past performances where it's those one or two moments where we slip up and it makes everything so much more negative. Yes. And, you know, I'm a big proponent of you create your own luck. Don't get me wrong. You know, poor refereeing decisions, um, you know, VAR not calling something the correct way, which unfortunately both those things did have a definite impact on the match and the scoreline itself. You know, all those things affect your performance and, and the amount of points you end up picking up at the end of the day, at the end of the 90 minutes. But at the same time, the really, really good teams, they always create their own luck. Whether you have a couple of poor refereeing decisions throughout the season, you know, if you bury your chances like Everton should have probably, then you wouldn't be relying on the fact that um, the referee most likely wrongfully disallowed Yeri Mina's open header, right? Um, that That is something that you would, you know, and then Tom Davies and then Alex Iwobi, essentially both missing from like four yards out, if that. Those are, those are events in which, again, as you said, it takes a millisecond, a, a tiny, tiny change in any occurrence of those events to put the ball in the back of the net. And yet, we were sitting in the 83rd minute, I believe, and West Ham had a corner, and it almost was 1-1. And, and just imagine how deflated we would have felt. Instead, you know, picked up the ball up, and, and it ended up being in the back of the net on the other end of the pitch at 2-1 with Gilfie Sigurdsson. Um, you could tell that when Gilfie, Gilfie Sigurdsson came on the pitch, he was not happy. Right. No, he had a point to prove. He clearly did not like being dropped. He's been a mainstay on our side pretty much since his arrival. And I think this was a bit of a wake-up call for him because Alex Iwobi looked really good. And by you know product of that, the whole midfield, the dynamics were so, so different. And of course, that's inevitably inevitably going to happen when you change personnel the way we did. But I was just blown away. It was, it was so, so different from the Delph and Schneiderlin partnership with Davis and Gomez both consistently looking to get the ball forward. And they had options going forward too, whereas... 
in previous matches, it was very stagnant and you would see Schneiderlin maybe spend a split second looking ahead and then revert to passing back to Michael Keane or Yeri Mina. And another thing we haven't even really talked about was the performance of Bernard, whose first goal was like jaw-droppingly good. And another thing with like fine margins, I mean, he barely squeaked that one in, but it was such a nice little double turn. And I was yelling at my TV practically for him to shoot, shoot, shoot. And then he finally did, and he waited to the last possible moment, but but snuck in near post, and it was a beautiful finish. And it was really good to see Bernard get back in the squad because I think his his run out of the team was a bit unwarranted and a bit unfair on him based on what we've seen from him so far this season. He really seems to have taken to the Premier League and has adapted really well to the physicality and his is we know what he brings to the table, the small man with great agility and doesn't always look to shoot, but he seems to have taken more initiative as far as that is concerned this season and it's paying off. Yeah, that was the epitome of Bernard, period, right? He gets into open space, he's essentially one on one with the keeper, and then for some reason decides to cut it back and and all of all of uh, all Evertonian fans across the world watching on e- on NBC or whatever network you may have been watching on are probably screaming, saying, "Why did you not shoot? This is typical." And then he cuts it back again, you know, takes another touch, and boom, back in the net. I was really, actually, I I was so surprised, I was confused that it was in the back of the net because the angle was so tight. The go- the goalkeeper came out to smother it, but nonetheless, yes, I mean, he's putting on for Everton. He's been putting on when he's been on the pitch. And so that's a positive, but again, that's, you know, that's another spot in which Richarlison could, you know, performs well in that, you know, you have, you have another player, Bernard that's performing well. And, and I would never say drop a, a player that's performing this well, as you said, he was wrongfully dropped to, to try to fit Alex Awobi into the equation early on in the season. Um, Alex Awobi and the differences between Gilfie Sigurdsson, Alex Awobi is just much more mobile. Not that I, I needed to tell you that he's much more mobile and he's quick. So I really, really liked his, his, I really, really liked his movements on the pitch on and off the ball. He always made himself available to whoever needed to transition the ball to him, whether that was, you know, forward to back or, or maybe our midfield to a forward position. And furthermore, he had a lot of nice, you know, crisp passes, a couple through balls and that sort of thing. Now, he missed a couple passes as well, but that's all part of being an attacking player, right? When you're an attacking player, you're going to get dispossessed. You're going to miss a couple passes because the whole point of being an attacking player is you have to take chances. You have to try different things. Whereas a defender, for example, you know, you are you are tasked with being as level-headed as possible. Don't take a chance. You don't want to do that 10 yards from your box. You know, so so I think he's still judged by the fact that I saw quite a few people complaining. I don't know how anyone could, could complain about Wobi's performance specifically, but you know, complaining about the fact that he had some some sloppy passes or, or some some passes that weren't weighted correctly. But that comes with the fact that this is the first time he's playing in that position for Everton with these particular teammates, and and that's just part of an attacking role. And I thought that he was really really good, um, which I could say for again probably eleven out of eleven players on the pitch for Everton. Yeah, and for context, just. Awobi had a 74% pass completion rate. So, I mean, for an attacking player, that's pretty decent. And yeah, I mean, like you said, he was adapting to a new position. So, or not a new position, but adapting to a new role, something he starting in a new role, something he's not as accustomed to. And I think he showed that, I mean, I thought he looked better in the center than he did, has has looked on the wing for us in any of our matches so far this season. Um, 
But we'll see how much that that sticks because, of course, Gilfie comes on with a substitute appearance and scores a banger, as he is known to do from time to time. Gilfie only scores banger Sigurdsson. I did want to touch on, I mean, there's a few other players that we haven't really talked too much about. Richarlison at the striker role. I was really impressed with his intelligence with the runs he was making. He was really giving both Diop and, and Ogbana for West Ham just fits. They were having a really hard time marking him. They were resorting to cheap fouls to bring him down. And, you know, he's not, he's fast. Richarlison is very fast, but is he faster than Calvert-Lewin? I'd say they're about the same. It's the intelligence with the runs and getting himself in good positions that sets him apart in that striker role and his willingness to go, you know, come wide and make those runs down the channels, which then allow our wingers, whether it be Bernard or Walcott to cut inside, which they both did a very good job of. So, I, I I don't know if Richarlison is going to remain at the striker position for too long because I, it freezes out both Calvert-Lewin and Keane, who I know all fans, maybe not Calvert-Lewin, but I think every fan is still kind of really excited to see what Moise Keane can do when he gets an extended run in the team. And he looked, you know, as a side note, very good when he came on as a substitute uh, with his control, had some neat little flicks and looked very confident. But as far as, yeah, I, I just really liked the runs that Richarlison was making. And then I also wanted to give credit to Sidibe for coming in for Seamus Coleman, who also has been one of our better performers this season on the right flank. And what he offered going forward was just immense in so many ways. Yeah, both good shouts. Richarlison, I was also, just to piggyback, I was also really impressed with his link-up play with with the other forward players. I think that he offered more in, in link-up and, and intelligent passing than maybe Calvert-Lewin does. And I guess I won't say Keen because we haven't seen enough of them to really warrant that comment. And and in terms of Sidibe, I was actually pro- like monumentally impressed by Sidibe because the very brief moments we've seen him play to this point, I wasn't that impressed with specifically, you know, just with the high expectations I personally have for him being a World Cup winner, regardless of of his form, you know, in the past year with Monaco. And so to see him perform as well as he did, I mean, most of his crosses were were very, very on point. I thought he offered a lot in his positioning. He worked really well with Walcott on the right, too. That's another, I think, synergy, if you all need a buzzword, synergy, um, in the team that that really posed, is going to pose some questions for Marco Silva because, you know, Seamus Coleman, the Everton captain, is back. He's okay to play next week, assuming no, you know, sickness, injury, blah, blah, blah. And so I, I honestly have a hard time seeing Marco Silva you know, keeping Sidibe in the mix, even though he put in a really good performance. Um, but we will see. I, I also wanted to touch on the two center backs because I thought they played brilliantly. Now, Yeri Mina for me stood out the most, and I think he got the official man of the match, maybe. Um, either that or it was the Everton FC fan of the ma- man of the match, excuse me. But however, Michael Keane apparently, according to who scored, did better than Yeri Mina. In a sense that, you know, one of the key stats that sticks out is the fact that he won eight aerials against Holler, which is which is no small task. I mean, eight aerials, period, in one match is a lot. But you're talking about a really nice center forward like Holler, in which I think, well, I personally was really bummed to see go to West Ham as opposed to come to Everton in the summer. Yeah, and Michael Keane, again, a player who during this really poor run of form has come under a lot of criticism. And I agree with you, Alex. I did not really notice Michael Keane dominating as much as the stats say he did. For me, Yerry Mina stood out. And maybe it's because of, 
Yuri Mina's ability to get forward and the numerous headers in West Ham's box off of set pieces and corners that he had. But hopefully this is just a, a signal of a renewed partnership and a renewed, like using your buzzword, borrowing it from you, synergy between the two because that partnership, you know, there are still a lot of question marks and I don't want to be too negative here, but I also don't want to get, let us get too far ahead of ourselves. I mean, this was a 2-0 win that could have very easily been a 1-1 draw and we're not out of the woods yet. This is again, a really good jumping off point, but I do think, yeah, like you said, both center backs deserve a ton of credit and we haven't even talked about Luca Dean who another, you know, really what it comes down to is like the whole team had been collectively fairly poor and today the team was collectively excellent. And when you have the unit performing well, obviously every single individual part will in turn have a strong performance. And that just seems to be the trend. And I thought that our front four, you know, brought the best out of each other, the way that they connected and linked up. And then the midfield not being completely invisible like they have been for pretty much large stretches of the season, probably since the Wolves match. It's just, I don't know. I just feel very, very good. It's, and I, but I don't want to get too excited because if there's anything Everton fans do well, it's get ahead of ourselves and get optimistic too early only to have our hopes crushed. You know, usually we try to be more methodical in terms of the players that we cover for a pre or a post-match episode and that sort of thing and, and who we might think played the best. But in my opinion, is it is legitimately impossible for me to choose a player that played the best because, you know, you're looking at performances, you're looking at different job descriptions. Um, pretty much everyone played really well. The only people we didn't touch on were Andre Gomez and Tom Davies, in which I think everyone was extremely impressed by yesterday or during the match against West Ham. I was uh, very nervous because we didn't have a natural defensive midfielder in the center of the pitch to kind of stop play or cut passing lanes and that sort of thing. The fact that our two defenders were were some of the best rated on some stats websites and and getting official or unofficial man of the matches, that shows that they had a little bit more work to do than normal if we had maybe a natural defensive midfielder there to kind of protect the back line. But when you look at Andre Gomez and Tom Davies, they were just absolutely ridiculously good in the middle of the pitch. Andre Gomez had moments of brilliance that I can't even describe in terms of holding the ball under pressure. He was very sturdy, like physically. He showed that he has a lot of strength. He's always really calm under pressure. I mean, it it's nothing like it. It's like a Calvin Klein model out there, you know, just turning three professional soccer players, uh, going for the long diagonal, and then I guess just posing for another picture. I'm not sure. But Tom Davies, on the other hand, what I really liked from Tom Davies, because this was, this was his first start this season. It was fully deserved. He had to wait a good while to you know, to get his chance, but he took it. I think he completed, I'm quoting off the top of my head from the graphic I saw, but I want to say he completed 34 or 36 out of his 40 passes. What I liked most about it was the fact that every time he received the ball, it was out of his feet almost immediately and on to the next player in transition to attack. And that is the most important thing for a central midfielder to do, transition the attack. And I thought both of those players did extremely well with it. And Again, as you said, I it just gives Marco Silva such a headache for the next match. But uh, I I just want to let you know that I, I did wear my Tom Davies kit to Bush Gardens all day yesterday. Um, nobody heckled me, which is interesting because usually get some hecklers wearing an Everton kit. But uh, nonetheless, it was super exciting. Um, I I can't complain at all. I, I can't point out really any issues except for maybe the finishing. But even then, you create your own luck, and we did it. We scored a second goal. We buried it, and it's done and dusted. Yeah, I mean, 
I, it's hard to disagree with anything that you've just said. You touched on Andre Gomez very well. You know, wh- what he does well is receive the ball and under pressure, retain possession and create space for himself and then draws defenders in or midfield players in, which creates space for others and then lays it off very nicely. And just to highlight again, Tom Davis, who we've been crying out for him, just begging, begging to for him to start a match. And he finally does. And what does he do? He vindicates all of our opinions. We were right about him. The local lad, um, he was, yeah, like you said, excellent. Really quick. You could tell he had a point to prove because I'm sure that he's been very more frustrated than any individual fan could possibly be with the lack of playing time. So he came in with a point to prove. And yeah, an 85% pass, pass success is outstanding for a player, you know, playing maybe a little bit deeper than he might like in an ideal scenario. But all of the three together really operated well as a unit. And, you know, you, you you can talk about the misses as a negative, but credit to Roberto Jimenez in goal for West Ham, who had nine saves. I mean, and some of them were outstanding. And so this really could have been a runaway win, if not for Jimenez's outstanding performance. So credit to him. The rest of the West Ham team really just not great. Uh, I didn't think that they looked very threatening at any point except towards the end when it would have resulted in a tie off the corner. And we were able to defend it and put it to bed. So I'm really excited. I'm, again, not getting too far ahead of myself because I just, <laughs> I've been hurt too many times and I've fallen into this trap too many times. But it is a good, good springboard to, f- to future performances. And we've got Brighton next. And that's going to be a test because West Ham, you know, they're a team that likes to actually try to play and like come and attack. Not sure Brighton will employ the same strategy, though they have some really nice wins this season and they're actually kind of firing on all cylinders. So it'll be a test to to play against a team with a bit of a different style and what's going to happen when we run up against another team that likes to sit back and play the low block. That's kind of been our Achilles heel for since the since the start of Marco Silva, really, or even before that for years now, it's been our Achilles heel. And so I don't know if this puts those doubts to rest quite yet, but it's a good place to start without question. Well, you could argue that that's another match in which we we could and probably should try to get away with playing the exact same central midfield we just, you know, deployed because of the fact that if they're going to sit and, and we're going to have the most of the possession, we want to use that possession as well as possible with players that are progressive with the ball as opposed to playing with a player that's, you know, literally meant to sit back and shield the back four from, I mean, counterattacks, which is nice, but nonetheless... I guess we uh, can save that for our midweek episode. Yeah, I, just as one last point, I don't see any possible way that Marco Silva could change this team going forward until something, you know, until the results change. Like based on this performance, you have to keep the same 11 next match. I guess we'll find out and we'll probably talk about it a little bit more in, in the coming days. Nonetheless, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you're as excited as James and I are about Everton's first win in five matches. It was a very good performance. Um, Always a good time when we beat West Ham because uh, pundits like to think that they're just so amazing compared to Everton most years. I mean, this year, even coming to the, into the season. Um, if you haven't already, join our Discord server. The link is on our Twitter pages and, and as well, it'll, it'll be in this podcast description. Just drop down, show details, and otherwise, up the toffees. Up the toffees. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at USA Toffee Pod to stay up to date on the latest episode releases and Everton news. And we'll see you guys next time.